0: We are in our second week of our theme for this month, which is the perfect man. And last week we started it off uh, about all the things that the Bible says about going on to perfection. Of course, the only perfect man is Jesus, Jesus. But we are on our journey to perfection. That's what the Bible says, our focus scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Oh, I'm sorry, it hasn't. Hasn't switched over here yet. Hold on one minute. Technical issue here. There we go. All right. That's better. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That's what God wants us to be. He says, be holy because what? I am holy unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, there is no perfect church because there are no perfect people. But we are on a journey. As I said in Genesis 17, uh, God spoke to Abraham and he said, Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I used to struggle with that. You know, God was telling me, you, make yourself perfect. But I really understand now it was a declaration. God was saying, you start the journey and I declare you perfect. Because it's revealed in Romans 8 that God calls those things that are not as though they be. So once we start our journey, God looks at the finished work on Calvary. He looks at our covering that he provided. Amen. That's why we can come to him boldly. In Hebrews 4.16 says that we can come boldly. To to a throne of grace, amen. Not a throne of anger, not a throne of wrath, but a throne of grace. That means unmerited favor. God's mercy and his grace, hallelujah, that is poured out to us. So this week, we're going to focus a little bit more. It says in this scripture, Ephesians 4, um, 13, that the way to get to perfection is through knowledge of the Son. So this week in our study, it's going to be about knowing Jesus. Let me read it again. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. What the scripture is telling us that part of our journey to perfection is how much we know Christ. Amen. The more we know of him, the more we can be like him. Amen. One of the most amazing things to me is what paul said in philippians which was written when he was already at rome when he had been 30 plus years in the ministry he had formed churches he had started uh, many churches and this is what he says that i may know him this is not a destination but a journey amen none of us have arrived Here's the great apostle Paul nearly at the end of his ministry saying, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Yesterday, as we uh, s- spoke about Brother Tony, this is one of the scriptures the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul's prayer near the end of his life was, I want to know more, I want to get closer. I want to be so close that there is no separation. The devil cannot get in between me and Jesus. That is our goal. Satan's goal is to blow you away. He said to Peter, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to what? Sift you as wheat. That's blowing away. The way they used to sift wheat, they would throw, throw it up in the air and the wind would blow away the chaff. That's what Satan wants to do, to bring storms into our lives, sickness, temptation, circumstances that take away our faith, that just drag us down, that just wear us out. But the closer we are to God, the the more we know of him and his love for us, that can strengthen you. Amen. As Paul said, he was pressed out of measure, even unto death itself, despairing of life. If the great apostle Paul can feel that way, then what say you and me? Amen. We are going to go through times of pressure and of temptation and and sometimes even of despair. But there is always one thing that can uphold you, and that's knowing that God loves you. Amen. And the way you do that is by knowing Jesus, that I may know him. So that's what we're going to look at, because that is one of the elements of perfection is how much we know him. Hallelujah. And we're going to look at at about five things. There's so many more things we could look at today. And one of the things about knowing Jesus is, of course, knowing who he is. Amen. That is so critical. So many people know him the way I know the president, which means I don't know him. (laughs) I can see him, but I don't really know him. Amen. I can't go up to him and say, hey, pal. He'll say, who are you? I don't know you. That's how many people know Jesus. They don't really know him. They know of him. Amen. But we want to get to that place where we can say, I know him. I want to get to that place where I can say, I truly know him. And then the other part of knowing Jesus is his unique and radical teaching. Some of the things he said in his day was so different. And surprising to the people of his day that it was it was radical. They wanted to stone him many times for some of the things his, he said. But part of knowing Jesus is knowing his teaching. Knowing what he wants us to do. Understanding the direction he wants us to go. And of course his ministry. We're going to look at that today. Knowing his ministry because his ministry tells us what a son of God is like. Amen. I really believe that everything that Jesus did, that's what a son of God should be able to do. Amen. So if we know him, the closer we know him, the more we're going to be like him. Amen. And of course, his purpose in salvation, which was to come and die for our sins so that we can get forgiveness. And finally, and there's so many more we could, we could put into this basket today, his will for us. Do you know what God wants of you? Amen. Do you know where you're going? Took me a long time. Pastor Long can, 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 can affirm that being a pastor is not something I wanted to do. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, I, I ran away from that for many years. That's, I left Milwaukee. If I'd wanted to be pastor here, I could have just stayed. But, but God had a different, a different plan. Amen. 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 So we are on this journey, this road to perfection, and we're going to look at knowing Jesus today because, as I said, the more you know him, the more you can be like him. The more you know him, the more you will love him. The more you know him, the more you will trust him. Amen. You can't trust somebody who you don't know. But the more you know that Jesus loves you, the more you have seen his hand in your life, the more he has touched you, the more he has raised you, the more faith you will have. Some of the things that used to scare me years ago don't don't faze me now because I have come down that road before. I've seen what Jesus can do. Amen. I've seen his love and his grace and the things that he has wrought in my life. Amen. So let's dive into this this lesson it says, 1 John two three, and hereby we do know, we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. So the first, one of the first steps to test if you know him, is are you following what he said? That's the only way uh, you can know if you know him. The Bible says if you're following what he said, because if you don't know him, you probably don't know what he said, right? I don't know what. Uh, let's pick a celebrity. Anyone you would like to name. I don't know what their personal... I don't know what their favorite color is. Right? I don't know Jesus' favorite color, but I think it's red. (laughs) Because the blood washes us and cleanses us. When we get to know what their likes and dislikes are. But there are some things that he has told us that we can know. He says if we love him, we will do what? We will keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him... And keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word in, is in, ver, in him. Verily, is the love of God perfected. So here's one part of the perfection I'm talking about. In keeping his word, we're showing the love. Because when you love someone, you want to do what? Please them. Amen. You want to do to please them. My wife asked me to do something this morning. And she told me three, must be three, four times. Three, four times. And I do love her, but... <laughs> she said she said to me, please, before you go, pull up the back seat so I can, you know, get some more people in the, in the vehicle. And I said, yes, yes. I was in a hurry and I just said yes. She said, remember to pull up the back seat before you go because we're... And I said, yes. And of course, you know what I did? I, I got back there and got and left and as i was driving i said oh no i did not do that amen but god has spoken to us to not pull up the back seat but to obey his commandments amen and if we will faithfully execute that's how he knows that we love him amen and that we want to please him but whoso keepeth his word in him verily or truly is the love of god perfected That's how our love is perfected when we obey him. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. That means there's certain things we can't do. There's certain things we shouldn't be saying. There's certain places we can't go. Amen? Because we have to walk as he walked. It's a road to perfection. It's knowing Jesus. How do we get to know him? Well, as this scripture said, the test is if we keep his commandments. But when we first come to him and we don't even know that, how do we get to know? How do you get to know someone? Conversation, right? That's how you get to know someone. You strike up a conversation, right? When a young man wants to know a young lady, he can look at her afar off, but that's not going to get anywhere. At some point, there's going to have to be a conversation. You're going to have to say, hey, uh, my name is in whatever play he's got coming there. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. I think the first time I met my wife, I can't remember my first words, but uh, her sister had had set up a, a meeting with, with, with us, and uh, she was learning the, the guitar, and that's right, and... Uh, I saw this lady coming down, coming down the aisles of this church. We didn't go to the same church. And uh, I thought, well, she looks much older than, than me. So that was not my first, my first thought. But when I heard her sing, that kind of changed everything. See, we have to have an interaction to know somebody. You can look at somebody and all you will see is the outside. But to know someone, you're going to have to interact and that's how Jesus got to know his disciples and they knew him. He came and he said, follow me, follow me. Colossians 3, 8. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that he have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. As I'm saying, perfection comes from how much we know Jesus. It says renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. We have to get to know Jesus. And the only way to know him is we have to get knowledge of him. That's why we come to church. We're going to hear a word. The Bible says that faith comes by and hearing by. So the more word you get, the more knowledge you will have. Oh, that I may know him. Amen sister mary talked about her son and i've been ministering to him for the last well even before he he went and i got the privilege of baptizing him while he was um, incarcerated Uh, that's been 10 years now and he's got about seven or eight days to go to to be out (laughs) and he calls me nearly every day and tells me what he's going to be doing and how his life is going to be changed and everything. And I, I told him yesterday, you know what you need to do th- uh, this Sunday? Get some word. I said, make sure you listen to something that's going to put some word in you. And that's why we come to church. That's why we hear something encouraging. Because it's that word, that conversation helps us to know our Savior. Amen. It says, renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. And how do we learn best? Hearing. And repetition. Repetition. There's things that uh, I, I I heard 20 years ago that when I hear it again, it, it, it's like it's new. Because it refreshes my spirit. And I said, you know what? I knew that at one time. I knew that. And when it, when it comes again, it just refreshes my spirit. And that's why we can read the Bible and read the Bible and find something new nearly every time. If we read it with a, a sense of openness and say, Lord, speak to me. Give me a word today. Amen. So getting to know Jesus is really getting on the road to perfection. Amen. I want to show you something that that tells from scripture when you know Jesus. After they had been with him three and a half years, and after the resurrection, they started to obey what he said because they loved him. They started to preach repentance and baptism and of course they were arrested and let's look what the scripture says in acts four thirteen. now when they saw the boldness of peter and john and perceived that these were just fishermen they hadn't been to college they didn't have any degrees maybe in 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 our s- scheme of things they hadn't even graduated that they were unlearned and ignorant men they marveled and they took knowledge of them what does it say that they had they had been with Jesus. They knew Jesus. Amen. This is the key, is that we have to know him. Paul, as I said in Philippians, even after 30 years of ministry, his prayer was that I may know him. I'm sure it was that I may know him more. He'd, he started his journey not knowing who Jesus was. But on the road to D- D- Damascus, the Bible says there came a light and a voice. And he asked the question, who art thou, Lord? And he said it is I Jesus. What a revelation. What, what, a, what a sovereign act of grace for this person who was in his own words the chiefest of sinners. That's what he called himself, the chiefest of sinners. And that really didn't hit me until I heard a message by Brother Woodward. I think it was Brother Woodward? Scott Graham, sorry. Scott Graham. And he preached this message. They were first called Christians at Antioch. And it hadn't hit me and he explained that at Antioch the people who were there were the people who had been persecuted at Jerusalem. And had been hauled into prison and their, their, their spouses and their wives and their families, some of them killed. And they fled to Antioch. And the person who was the chief who was doing this was Paul. He said that I hauled men and women and threw them into prison. I compelled them to blaspheme. Think about that. That means he, he, he probably had some people tortured. That is God's mercy. He certainly had some people put to death and yet God interrupted his life. When you think about that, and he told the story this way, here was Barnabas, the pastor at Antioch. And then one Sunday, he put it this way, he brought in Paul and said, here's your new pastor. And in the crowd were all these people who he had put their family members to death maybe tortured some of them and the bible says this was the place they were first called christians because knowing jesus is about forgiveness knowing jesus is about love how could you look at someone who probably had your your husband or your son or your wife killed See, that's why Paul called himself the chiefest of sinners. And that's why even at the end of 30 years, he was saying, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That should be our prayer, that we can go deeper and know him more, because that is the road to perfection. When they arrested these ignorant men, fishermen, they marveled because of the grace that came out of them. Jesus had told them, listen, don't even worry about what you'll have to say. It will be given you. That's not to mean we're not to study, but if we get into a situation that was unplanned, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen. It took knowledge of them that what? They had been with Jesus. I want someone to say, yes, he's been with Jesus. Just the way he behaves. Just the way he walks. Just the way he talks. Amen. Wouldn't that be a great testimony if someone could say, I perceive you're a Christian. What church do you go to without you saying anything? Amen. That should be our our life. That should be our aim. Amen. See, the Bible tells us that we have to be with him to know him. In Matthew 16, 16, he asked him, who is he? Remember, I said at the beginning, that's one of the things about knowing Jesus. You have to know, first of all, who he truly is. In Matthew 16, 16, Jesus had been asking the disciples, he asked them this question, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, well, some say you're the prophet, some say you're another prophet, some say you're just a good man, I'm sure some say you're no good. You're just a charlatan, you're just a fake. But Jesus wanted to know what Peter knew of him. He'd already been with them, with Jesus now for quite a while. Jesus wanted to know how much he knew of him. And he said, Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. That means the anointed, the son of the living God. That's what we have to come to the realization of who it is we are worshiping. That it's not just a myth and a fable and a historical tale, uh, a story of a good person. Because if that was the case, there's something amazing about this one man who changed history to the fact that even the date, the fact that we call this August the 14th, 2022 is dated from this one man in the year. The full date is in the year of our Lord Jesus. Amen. And soon that is coming to an end. Amen. Amen. See, we have to know who he is as one of the things of knowing him. Jesus then said to Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you. This was not something you worked out. Because in human, human thought, they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They, they couldn't believe the Messiah was coming from Nazareth because they didn't have the understanding of the scriptures. It was hidden from them. They thought, can anything good come out of Milwaukee? <laughs> yes, it can, if Jesus is in it. Amen. Amen. Jesus himself, when talking to the Pharisees, made a revelation, which they didn't like. In John chapter 8, verse 58, he says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. He said the very words that the voice from the burning bush said to Moses. And they knew what he meant. They knew he was identifying himself as God Almighty as the king of kings, of, as lord of lords. And so they picked up stones to try and kill him because they knew who he was identifying. Now, they didn't believe, and they thought he was blaspheming. Again, in John chapter 20, verse 27, after the resurrection, and he appeared first to the 11, and one of them, Thomas, wasn't there, and he found it hard to believe that This person who he had seen nailed to a cross, who he had seen a Roman soldier stick a spear in, who had seen all the blood come out, who had now been buried for three days, could have come back. But then Jesus appeared and spoke to him directly. Sometimes Jesus has to appear in our lives because we're going through periods of doubt, periods of depression. And sometimes his mercy and his grace, he comes and he speaks to us. And he presents himself and gives me a little hug, is what I say. Sometimes God just gives me a little hug. Amen. Through circumstances, and I know it's him. Amen. I know this is streaming, so sometimes I have to censor what I say. But, you know, God is so great, and I I can't say all that I want to say, but God is so great. When you see me smiling, it's because I'm thinking of his mercy. I'm thinking of his grace. I'm thinking of his love. He, he reached out to Thomas and he said, Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it in my side and be not faithless but believing. After speaking, what's the next level of getting to know someone? Touch. Touch, right? You have to be really familiar with someone to be hugging them, right? I know we do that in here, but normally you can't just walk out in the street and just put your hands on someone. That's going to get you in trouble. (laughs) What Jesus was doing was taking Thomas to the next level of knowing. You doubted me even though you saw me. Okay, now you touch me. See for yourself. The Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. He he wanted Thomas to know him further than even the others because he had so much doubt. He said, touch me. We have to not just be able to speak to God, but we have to be touched by him, and we have to touch him. How do we do it? Through our faith, through our prayers, amen, through our desires, through our heart. The Bible says that he can be touched. We haven't come to the mountain that couldn't be touched. In the Old Testament, they put a a cordon around the mountain and they couldn't come very near. In the Old Testament, if you were not of the tribe of Levi, you couldn't come into the tabernacle. You came up to the gate and that's as far as you could go. But I've said this nearly every Sunday. When Jesus died and he said it is finished, that veil, that separating thing tore in two. And that's why Hebrews 4.16 says, Now we can come boldly to a throne of grace. See, the next step of knowing Jesus is not just even in conversation. Many people do pray to God, but they haven't been touched by him or let him touch them. Amen. They haven't touched him and they haven't let him touch them. They've spoken to him, but that's as far as they want to get. They're scared of taking the next step, but to really know him, you have to touch him. The Bible says in, in, in the, in, when it says no, and Adam knew his wife, that's speaking about intimacy. That goes beyond just talking to someone. God wants to be intimate with us, to know him in such a way that there is no barrier, there is no separation, there is no secrets. And when we get to that part, then we, when we pray, we know. Jesus said when he was praying for Lazarus, I said, I know that thou hearest me always. What a statement. I know that because he, he was God in the flesh. And he was giving us an example of intimacy. Do you believe that God hears you always? Satan is a liar. That's what you got to say. He will come and says, well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Last week you did this and you prayed and nothing happened. They could have said the same with the fig tree. When Jesus said from henceforth no man eat figs of you nothing happened that anyone could see but right away underneath underground something was happening when you pray something underground starts to happen in the spiritual amen if you know jesus and he knows you something happens because he has promised he has promised that if his word abides in you and you abide in him then you can ask and it shall be done Just like you, Sister Johnny, I can say God has never, ever failed me. I have failed him multiple times, but he has never failed me. He's he's done me like Paul. I can say I'm one of the chiefest of sinners, but he has interrupted and given me a Damascus Road experience. (laughs) Amen. See, when you are touched by him and you touched him, then you're going to be able to answer with revelation. Up to this point... Peter said, you are the Christ, the anointed. But now listen to what Thomas says. He says, my Lord and my God. Amen. He goes beyond just the Messiah revelation because he got to touch him. And he says, my Lord and my God. When you know who he is, you can call him my Lord and my God. He is not just even the son of God. He is my personalized. He is my Lord and my God. Hallelujah. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. So, the first thing is to know who he is. Amen? When you know who he is, you can be intimate. You go beyond speech, which is the first stage. When you first know someone, the first thing you do is ask their, you introduce yourself, right? My name is, and what's your name? Amen? And that's the first step. He said, I am he gave his name i am i am hallelujah and then the next thing about jesus once we got to know him and they started to follow him was his teaching it was so profound and opposite to what they expected he said strange things like love your enemies (laughs) that's not that's not in the old testament it was you scratch my back i rip yours apart Love your enemies. In the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But here's Jesus. He says, you have heard, and it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor, but hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse. Have you ever blessed someone that cursed you? <laughs> because perfection, we're talking about being a perfect man. Have you prayed, Lord, bless that person. Help that person. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now that's the test because that is Jesus' message. That's his radical teaching, which was so surprising. I'm sure it shocked most of the disciples and everyone who heard it. He's preaching to love my enemies. Pray for them that hurt me. See, this is the test of perfection. Perfection. This is the test of perfection, is will we be ready to sacrifice for him? I didn't put it in here, but there was a young man that came to Jesus, and we never know his name. And he comes to Jesus and he says he wants to be his disciple. And Jesus, the Bible says something amazing. It says Jesus looked at him, and Jesus loved him. Jesus saw his heart and loved him. He says, one thing thou lackest. One thing. There was something in this young man's heart. He said, all these other things I've done from my youth. He says, one thing, one thing. There was one more test. Go sell what you have and give to the poor. And the Bible said he he went away sorrowful. Even Jesus' love for him was not enough. Because as I've said so many times, love is like a chain. It can pull you, but it can't push you. You have to hold on. You have to be willing to be pulled by his love. Jesus, in his teaching, said radical things. He said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good. Imagine if we really did that every day. I know maybe occasionally you've prayed for one or two of you. But suppose we put our enemies at the top of the list. (laughs) Suppose we put our enemies. Suppose we actually did that tomorrow morning. We thought of all the people who had hurt us and hated us. and And we started praying, Lord, I want you to bless that person. Bless that person. I want you to just give them bountifully. Let their life be smooth. Give them a blessing today. Pray for them which... This, wow. Here's a secret, though. And I've said this before. Job, Job, all through his persecution, all through his suffering, his one demand was... God, I want to speak to you personally. I want to ask you why all this stuff is happening to me. I want to—I want you to tell me what I've done wrong. That throughout the whole book of Job, that's Job's main goal is. Lord, I don't understand what's going on in my life. It seems so unfair. What's happened to me, God? If I've done something, please speak to me. Let me come into your court. Please be my judge. Let me speak to you personally. Well, around uh, verse. Chapter 38 or, or 40, God does start to speak to him. And for, for eight chapters, God is speaking to Job and God, Job is listening. But at the end of that, nothing has changed. The conversation with him and God is finished. He understands a little bit more why what happened to him happened. But nothing in his life has changed. He is still sick. Bible doesn't say anything has changed. Do you know what changes Job's situation? when he prays for his, quotation mark, friends. Amen? Maybe a lot of times why we're not getting what we, we want to happen is because we pray for our, our friends rather than our enemies, right? And God is telling if if you would be perfect, maybe money is not our problem, but we probably have some other things that Jesus says, I love you. But if you would be perfect, Wouldn't that be something? I'm thinking about that now, seriously, about praying for everybody I can think of that has done me anything. Wouldn't that be something? Maybe, just maybe, just like Job, the Bible says again, God changed the circumstance of Job, not when he talked with God, but when he prayed for his friends who had told him it was all his fault and that he was a mess and he needed to confess. It was his fault. All this stuff happened. It's your fault, Job. You're hiding something. But nothing happened in his life until he prayed for his friends. Love your enemies. Bless This is Jesus' radical teaching. I'm going to give you another example. He said, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Now, this is a hard one, right? I I confess, it's a hard one for me because we're always thinking, okay, okay. We're always thinking, okay, we got this to do and this bill to take care of, and this. And what he's saying is, do you trust me? Haven't I always provided for you? You know, from about the age of zero to two, we could do nothing about that. We didn't worry about clothing, who was going to feed us, the mortgage, the electric bill. But somehow we got to this age. We were completely out of it for the first two years of our life probably. Someone diapered us, someone put something in our mouth and fed us. We didn't do it. We didn't go to work. We weren't worried about the mortgage bill. We didn't sit there and say, I'm not going to take this breast because she may not have any (laughs) more. No. We were hungry, we cried, and we got fed. That's all we, and then we went to sleep. In fact, they say that one of the meanings of El Shaddai, the all sufficient one in Hebrew, is the many breasted, right? Meaning that as his child, he's promised to take care of us. Promised to take care of us. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father, Feedeth. This is a great step of faith. And this is where we're still far down the road, most of us. Our Heavenly Father feedeth them. Jesus is saying, aren't you much more better than that to me? Don't you count for more? Don't you really believe how much I love you? And in all my life, all I can say, every time I've gotten to that place where I said, well, don't know what we're going to do now, He does something. He opens up a door. He provides an opening. I've been there many times. So now it would just be, God must be just mad at me if I was to go there because he has done it every single time. Every single time. Knowing Jesus is to know his teaching. Amen. Here's some things that he taught. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That doesn't sound right. But he said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Meaning, Someone who is seeking, who knows that they have a need. See, if you think you don't have a need, then God can't help you. Right? If you think I'm all that and I've got it all together, then what need do you have of God? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The Bible says godly sorrow leads to what? Repentance. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, see none of this was sounded right to the Jews of his day. How can you inherit the earth if you're just going to sit there and be meek? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. See, that's what you ought to pray for your worst enemy. Lord, forgive them. Lord, bless them. You know why? Because with whatever judgment you judge, that's what we're going to get. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? the children of God, the sons of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He goes on to explain that. So knowing his ministry is knowing his teaching. And also knowing his miracles. There are 37 miracles that, Jesus, that are recorded in Scripture. I've put all of them here if you want to get the notes later. And it's, it's interesting the number the 37 does not include, of course, the resurrection itself. And I'm going to just touch on about three or four of them before we close this, uh, this part of our Sunday school. See, knowing his ministry, each miracle can teach us a lesson. I'm only going to pick about two or three of them to teach us this lesson. But there are 37 that are recorded in scripture. Uh, you know, the first one, of course, was he turned the water into wine. What was interesting about that one and what's so powerful about that one, it says that Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding. You know what that tells us? He had followers before he had even done a single miracle. They were following him based just upon his word. They had known him just because of the power of his word. They hadn't seen him do any miracles yet. It says Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding. And it goes on through all of these miracles and great things that he did. I want to start with that first one because there is a lesson to be learned. Knowing Jesus is knowing his ministry and what he was trying to tell us. Let's read it in John chapter 2 verse 1. And the third day... There was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. That tells us something right there. God will do something for you even when it may not be what he wants to do. If you have a real do you think anybody could have come up to Jesus and said that, made that request? No. It was because it was he only did this because it was his mother. He said, This is I don't, I didn't plan to do this because I don't want to reveal yet. My time has not come for the revelation. His mother just ignored him. She turned to the servants. She turned to the servants and said, Whatever he says, do it. She put him on the spot. (laughs) And then I imagine she maybe walked away. And the servants looked at him. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? If you love God and he loves you, he'll do stuff for you. You know, you do stuff for your children just to make them happy. Not because it's anything uh, necessarily, you know, going to educate them. or Just to see them happy. God wants his children. Believe that. He, he will do things for you just if you have that relationship. That was an intimate relationship. She was his mother, so she could ask. She knew him, and she knew and believed that he was going to do it, even though he said, this is not what I came, I came to just relax. <laughs> I'm remembering why I first went to Apostolic Tabernacle. I came there to just relax and do nothing. That was our plan. We had been in a small church. And we, my plan was I'll be in a large church, and we just come to church, and we will sit at the back and do our little thing. And <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> After about six months, Brother um, O'Haver said, well, can you teach this? And I felt so bad. Not, and before, before, before we left, we were on the board and being the treasurer, and my plan of, of not doing anything did not work. I was put on the spot. Mary put Jesus on the spot. She said, She didn't answer him. She said, whatever he says, do it. She just left him. God will do something for you just because he loves you. Do you believe that? He has done that for me repeatedly where it was just a little thing, but to me it was a great thing. It wasn't anything, you know, it was just something that only I know he did it, and I just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I I told a little story at my workplace where I was, Struggling to do something and trying to find the right parts and put it together. And I opened up this drawer, and there was this complicated thing put together exactly how I needed it in this whole mass of stuff already fully done. (laughs) I could not believe it. I said, Just thank you, Jesus. It was a little thing, but yet it was a big thing. Amen. So here is the other lesson we learned God can change something ordinary into something useful. He could take the water and he could change it to wine. He can take your life and change it into something precious. Amen. Knowing his ministry is knowing him. Knowing that he can change something that is no good, that is just common into something that was beautiful. In fact, when they took the wine, they said, wait a minute, this is the best we've ever tasted. There's been no wine like this vintage in Israel, for we don't know where did you get this stuff. This is very unusual. The people serve the best at the beginning, but you've waited to because God cannot do anything but the best. So, his very first ministry encounter shows us something he was trying to show first, that he will do something because you have a relationship, secondly, he can take something that is common water is common and change it into something that was the very best he can take a life that is common and he can change it into something that is the very best that is knowing his ministry knowing what he can do amen hallelujah the next thing he did one of his miracles was showing gratefulness let's read this in luke chapter 17 and verse 12 and he entered into a certain village there met him 10 men that were lepers which stood afar off in those days leprosy was incurable they had certain villages outside Jerusalem that were just dedicated to people who had leprosy. And they they had to carry um, bells and couldn't approach people because they were unclean. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. The, 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 the story in this is so many little points when you look at this when you meditate upon this nothing happened when he first said it they had to obey it was the act of obeying as they went they were cleansed sometimes we sit there and say god do this and yet we're still sitting there we don't act on faith they had to believe something was going to happen they could have said well aren't you going to clean us first Aren't you going to make us clean now? Then we will go to the priest. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, go and show yourself to the priest. What that meant is they had to believe something was going to happen. They had to take a step of faith. And something happened. When, God, uh, when you pray for something, then you have to act as if it's going to happen. You're going to have to act as if you expect it to happen. The second thing we see in this, it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, Turn back. The one thing that God loves is gratefulness. We don't have to have money or anything else to give thanks. No matter what situation you are in, you can give thanks. And gratefulness moves God. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice, glorified God. He worshiped he realized the miracle that he had wanted something that he was now going to be stuck with his whole life god had done a miracle and he turned back and he worshiped and fell down at his feet giving him thanks now here is the point he wasn't even a jew bible says he was one and yet the others who may presumably have been jews they didn't they didn't come back see sometimes God does stuff for us and we forget it. We treat it like it's nothing. That's why I had to testify about that thing cuz to somebody well, that wasn't anything. It wasn't money, it wasn't but to me it was it was it was enormous to find exactly the wiring that I was looking for and the setup I was looking for. You have to understand I pulled open this drawer and all there was was a mess of parts and wires all tangled up. And I pulled out this one and I was amazed it was exactly what I was looking for, all wired together. So I had to do nothing. That was God. To me, that was water into wine. To me, that was God saying, that's your hug for today. That's, your, that's me letting you know that I still love you. You know, it wasn't even something I had prayed for or asked for. I was just frustrated and I was uh, and mentally saying, well, man, I got to do this and how I'm going to put this together. I don't even know how I'm going to do this and where I'm going to find the parts. And I opened this drawer and there it was. When God loves you, you can say you're blessed and highly favored. I think we should say that I'm blessed and highly favored. Say it like you mean it. I'm blessed and highly favored. Amen. When you wake up tomorrow, you just say that to Satan. I'm blessed and highly favored. And there is nothing you can do about it. Amen. See, when God blesses us, we have to be grateful. For the little things and for the big things. Amen. And Jesus answered, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. He said, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So in this miracle we can see so many things in getting to know Jesus. One, that he appreciates gratefulness. He appreciates our gratefulness. I'm trying to hurry here. Here's another one, and this illustrates faith. Mark 7:24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and uh, uh, entered into a house that would no man know it, but he could not be hid. He tried to hide. He needed a break because he was still in flesh, and flesh gets tired. So he, he tried to go into a house so that he could get a break, but it wasn't working. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. And the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. Now, most of us at that point would have stormed out of church. <laughs> the pastor called us a dog. <laughs> who do you think you are? There are other churches I can go to. (laughs) There are other churches I can go to. You're not the only one. But this shows, this shows her humility and the fact that she knew who he was. Peter knew who he was. When Jesus told, when they said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood and He had 72 disciples and 60 of them left at that time. They said, this is too much. We can't, you know, he wants us to be accountable. And then Jesus did not explain. Sometimes he won't explain himself to you. He'll just say, do you want to go as well? But Peter said, whither shall we go? Because only you have the words of life. This woman was determined. No matter what a test she was going to go through, she wasn't leaving. So Jesus really even implied that she wasn't worthy of, of anything, you know. And most of us, as I said, would have stormed off at that moment. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it unto dogs. The, 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 the lady's answer is so spectacular. It's so wonderful. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. There's only two times in the New Testament the Bible says that Jesus was astonished. This is the second one. And both times they were not Jews. They were foreigners. Because the Jews tended to take him as, as, for, for, you know, as nothing. He said, Isn't this the carpenter's son? Doesn't he come from Nazareth? How could he? Who does he think he is? But the Bible says that Jesus marveled marveled wouldn't it be great if 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 god could say he's he's marveling at our faith despite all the things that are happening in our life we're still saying we want to eat even if it's the crumbs amen yes lord yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs and he said unto her for this saying go thy way the devil is gone out of thy daughter he didn't have to lay hand on her because he could just command And the Bible then says when she went home, her daughter was healed. See, knowing his ministry is knowing that we have to believe and trust when we ask him for things. It may not appear right away. She then had to believe because her daughter wasn't with her. She just had to go because of his word, because he said it's done. Then she left. Because she trusted his word. Same thing with the centurion. Because he said, you, 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 you speak, go that way, your servant is healed. He left, not seeing his servant. Why? Well, he just believed it had been done. Wouldn't it be great when God speaks to us, we just believe it's done. Even though we can't see it yet. Even though we may, it may not have manifested yet. If we, if we actually start like the ten lepers going and believing, something is going to happen. You know what we'll be doing? We'll be putting Jesus on the spot. The Bible says he cannot deny himself. Amen. God has come through for me so many times. And I want to encourage you today. That when we know him, we're on that road to perfection. Knowing his ministry, this is the last example, is to know that he has prayed for you. In his prayer before he was arrested in the book of John in the last uh, few chapters, this is what comforts me a lot. Jesus praying here and he says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And I taught about that uh, a few weeks ago. And none of them is lost. Think about that. None of them is lost save the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. I pray that thou shouldest not take them out of the world. That's one prayer not going to be answered right now. We have to go through it. We have to tarry. We have to wait. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. That means separate them. God's word and truth is going to separate us from people out there. What we believe separates us. Because we get that word directly from the Bible. That's why we call ourselves apostolic. The word is going to separate us, sanctify us. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, verse 20 is the verse I want you to focus on. Jesus then said, I'm not praying for these disciples alone. I pray not for these alone, but for them also, which shall what? Believe on me. God has prayed for you. Jesus has prayed for you. If you believe, he has prayed for you. Is there any stronger prayer than that? If Jesus has prayed for you, you think his prayer is going to fail? Only we can take ourselves out of his prayer. As I said, it's just like a chain. If you will hold on, God's chain of love can pull you out of any situation. But it can't push you. If you refuse to hold on, the chain can be as strong as anything. It can't help you. But if you will hold on, no matter what you're going through, we're on this journey to perfection. It may seem impossible. It may seem difficult. I'm back to the first verse. It says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge. Let's say that word, knowledge. In the Old Testament, it says, oh, that I may know him. Right? And that word in the Hebrew is yada. It means to to, to an intimate knowledge. Oh, that I may know him and the power. Amen. Of his resurrection in the New Testament, I should say. But in the Old Testament, it it has the same thing, that I may know him. The more, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. It's really... Know Him. In all thy ways get to know Him. That word there is yada, which means to know Him. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall. Amen. The more we get to know Him, we will be on that road to perfection. Unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hebrews eleven six says this, But without faith, without trust, without love, because love is what gives us faith. Right? The more you love someone, the more you will have faith in them, won't you? If you love someone, you, you, you have faith because you know them. The more you have faith, because faith comes from love. It does come from hearing too, but it comes from love. It's based upon love. The more I know someone, the more I love, for instance, there's not much you could tell me contrary to my knowing of my wife. Why? Because I love her and I know her. Right? when you, There's not much someone could tell you about your parents, whether they love you or not. Why? Because you know. You've had a personal experience. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must must believe that he is. That means that he exists and that he is a rewarder of them that want Diligently seek him. Amen. That's what the wise men did. They They journeyed all the way from the east for months, probably over a year or so, to find this star, the the baby that was born. They diligently sought him. I see the bumper stickers at Christmas. Wise men still seek him. Amen. And that's what God has called us to do, to not give up. If we're on this road to perfection, if we're on this journey of perfection, then we have to diligently seek him. And the Bible says that he is a rewarder. Believe God can reward you if you are a diligent seeker. Amen. If you will stand with me. Amen. We're going to close our Sunday school this morning. I hope that these words from scripture have encouraged you. That we are on this journey to perfection. And it starts with knowing Christ. Oh that I may know him. That's what Paul said. After 30 years of ministry, he still wanted more. I want more. I want more revelation. I want to know more of him so that I can be more like him. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. We covered knowing his ministry, knowing his teaching, knowing who he is. Amen. Knowing his salvation. As I said, when we get to know someone initially, it's by words. But when Thomas, that wasn't enough, he had to say, touch me. And once Thomas touched him, then it went up to a new level of revelation. He said, my Lord and my God. When he touches you and you touch him, you can say, my Lord and my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to close this service uh, this morning. Amen. And we're looking forward to great service in our next uh, part. And we're going to Pray that God moves in a mighty way. Amen. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we just thank you for your greatness and your love. Hallelujah. For your covering, for your spirit. Lord, we ask you to just fill this sanctuary with an anointing. Break every yoke, Lord God. We offer up to you, oh God, a heart of praise, Lord God. As we walk unto perfection, Lord, I pray that you uphold us. That you make our path straight. Hallelujah. Help us to walk this week, Lord, in this journey, Lord. Take away the doubts and fear. Help us to trust you, O Lord, to obey your word that we may know you. Hallelujah. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your love. We ask for your continued blessing. Hallelujah. As we lift up your name and we give you all of the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus.